I feel like I, I might should reintroduce myself um, because between Rwanda and, and a nasty stomach bug and, and Marin's birthday last weekend, we, we've just, I, I just uh, feel like I should reintroduce myself. So I'm Catherine. I, I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, and it's good to be with you. And it's good to be with you uh, who are joining us online this morning as well. I think we were having a little bit of technical difficulties. Hopefully we have gotten that uh, straightened out just a bit. Um, but today we begin the, the season of Lent. Today is the first Sunday in Lent. Now, Lent is a season of, of 40 days, not including Sundays, and it begins with Ash Wednesday, which we celebrated on Wednesday, and then goes all the way through uh, Easter Sunday. Uh, and Lent comes from a word which means to lengthen, and, and it just kind of indicates the, the days of spring that are lengthening as we go. And these 40 days represent the time after Jesus' baptism and before um, he began his public ministry, those 40 days when he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness. Lent uh, is a time of, of repentance and, and fasting and preparation for the coming of Easter. It's a time of self-examination and, and reflection. In the early church, it began as this period of, of fasting and preparation for those who were new converts to the faith before their baptism. Um, and then today, Christians focus on a relationship with God and growing as disciples and often choosing to give up something um, or lean into something so that we can deepen our commitment uh, to Christ. Now, the Sundays in Lent are not counted as a part of those 40 days because each Sunday represents, quote, a little Easter. That's why we use the phrase the Sundays in Lent, not the Sundays of Lent, because they're technically not a part of Lent. So each Sunday, even though we approach it with a spirit of repentance and, and fasting, it is tempered with joyful anticipation for the resurrection. This year we're going to lean into more, uh, we're going to lean in more to those Sundays being little Easters um, and talk about a different resurrection story each week. Our foundation for the series is, is a book by our new bishop, Bishop Tom Berlin, and it's called The Third Day, Living the Resurrection. And he notes that um, we typically focus these 40 days on the difficulty and the sacrifice of following Jesus. And we do that for 40 days, and then we really sometimes focus on the resurrection only one day, only on Easter Sunday. Um, and yet, it is Jesus' resurrection that turned the world upside down for his first followers. And it's the resurrection that has a lasting and transforming impact on our lives today. The resurrection matters. The resurrection changes everything. And so for these next six weeks, we'll be celebrating a little Easter each Sunday. This morning, we're going to turn to the story of Mary Magdalene. After all, it is Mary Magdalene, or it's Mary from the town of Magdala, Mary the Magdalene, um, who is mentioned in all four Gospels as being present at the cross and at the empty tomb and 
at the resurrection. And it is Mary, Mary Magdalene, who is called the apostle to the apostles because she was the first one who saw the resurrected Christ and was sent by him to share the good news to the apostles, to the disciples. So she is the apostle to the apostles. But before we turn to Mary's story, let me invite you to pause for just a moment and pray for me in sharing this message with you this morning as I pray for you um, that, that God will, through this time, speak a word into, into your heart and life today. So let's pray. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Why is it that we forget what we should remember and we remember what we should forget. Let me tell you what I mean. When we first moved back to Gainesville and I began serving as one of your pastors, I started making visits to Shands. Um, and on one of those early visits, I went up to, uh, for the first time, to the second floor to pray with someone who was in pre-op. And on that ver early visit, as I got off the elevator on the second floor and turned my heart began to race and I, I really almost began to feel nauseous. And so I stopped for a moment to try to figure out what was going on with me. And then I realized it was bringing back memories of something that I would have liked to have forgotten. Some of you know that our son Sid was born with a birth defect called Pierre Robin sequence. And that meant that he was in the neonatal intensive care at Sarasota Memorial where we lived at the time for about three months and he was transported to Shands and was in the NICU here for um, a period of that time and then he also had a couple of different uh, surgeries again up here at Shands and uh, during his first like four years um, I couldn't have even told you if you had said Catherine where where did those surgeries happen in the hospital? I couldn't have told you. I don't have the vaguest idea. Shans is a big place. I wouldn't have known. But somehow, when I stepped off of that elevator, I realized that's exactly where those surgeries had happened. It was familiar to me in the worst way. And I, I literally was having a physical reaction. Our son Sid is now fine, perfectly healthy, but it was the burden of those memories that began to affect me as I just stepped off that elevator. Many of you may have had an experience of some kind like that as well. You might remember the moment that you got terrible news about a loss or, or an illness. You remember where you were and how you felt Somebody after the 8 o'clock service said, I can even remember the smell. I can remember the smell when this happened to me. 
How many of us remember exactly where we were when we saw the Twin Towers go down on 9-11? And now when we hear a, a, a loud plane, a low plane, or we hear about a cr plane crash, our minds immediately go to terrorism. You know, certain images, certain places, certain sounds can trigger those difficult memories for us. We can't seem to forget the things that we would like to not remember. Early in the morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to see the body of her Lord. And when she arrived, the tomb was empty. She was upset. She was distraught. She couldn't comprehend what was happening. This was not how it was supposed to be. She was already grieving enough at his death, and now somebody had stolen his body. It was all more than she could bear. Nothing in the world made any sense anymore. And in complete distress, Mary ran back to tell the disciples, and two of them ran back to the tomb to see for themselves, and they realized that the body wasn't there, and then they went back to their homes, but Mary went to the tomb again. This is how the Gospel of John records what happens next. Debbie, you have that scripture? Maybe not. Okay, I'm just going to read it to you. Mary stood outside near the tomb crying. As she cried, she bent down to look into the tomb. She saw two angels dressed in white, seated where the body of Jesus had been, one at the head and one at the foot. The angels asked her, Woman, why are you crying? She replied, They have taken away my Lord, and, and I don't know where they have put him. As soon as she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't know it was Jesus. She didn't recognize him. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she replied, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I'll go get him. Why was she crying? Because Jesus had given her back her life and now his had been taken away. Almost hysterical, she could barely get the words out, accusing the gardener of stealing the body and, and pleading for it so she could care for it. In that moment, losing Jesus again made all of that just come rushing back to her. The trauma of watching him slip away on the cross. The grief of losing her dear friend and Lord. The anxiety, the emptiness, and wondering if her life was now going to fall apart again. We don't know too much about Mary Magdalene. The Gospel of Luke tells us that when Jesus first encountered her, he healed her of seven demons. We don't know what those demons were, um, but likely they were a physical illness like epilepsy or some kind of mental illness. Once she was healed, 
Luke also names her as one of the women who traveled with Jesus and the other disciples. This is in Luke chapter 8. She had been one of his closest friends and supporters and had traveled with him for months while he was teaching and healing and sharing the good news of God's grace. And therefore, after the death of Jesus, maybe Mary was anxious that all of those demons would return again. We know from the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and John, that Mary was one of the women at the crucifixion. What kind of trauma must she have experienced? John says that when the disciples scattered in fear, Mary Magdalene and, and some other women were standing near the foot of the cross. They watched and they waited with every excruciating moment as Jesus literally slowly suffocated to death. That's what happens in crucifixion. Matthew and Mark tell us that she was there when they laid Jesus in the tomb and they rolled the tomb shut. Her grief was almost unbearable and she just couldn't let go. All four Gospels tell us that when the Sabbath was over, she was there again in the early morning. Luke says that four women were there, Matthew that three, Mark says that there were two, and John says only one. We all see things differently. But each of them says that Mary Magdalene was there. Most of us have no trouble relating to Mary Magdalene. The fear, the trauma, the grief. She went again to the tomb in great despair over the death of Jesus her friend, her beloved Lord. She was overcome with sorrow and grief and not knowing what else to do. She needed to do something. So she went to the tomb to sit and to try to make sense of it all. And then Jesus said to her, Mary, and the sound of his voice, the way she said his name, she knew who it was. It was her teacher her master, her Lord, it was Jesus. I remember the first time as an adult that I lost someone close to me. It was my grandmother. I was a student in seminary and in Atlanta and had come down to um, the Jacksonville area to preach at a youth week. And so Steve wasn't with me um, and in the middle of, of the service, I guess, um, someone called my friend and told her to let me know that my grandmother had died. Gam, as we called her, lived with us for about half the year and, and shared a bathroom with my sisters and I. And, I. and, and so we, we all knew each other very well and I was very close to Gam. And, and I was just so upset when I heard that, that she had died. She had just left to go back to North Carolina and, 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 and then she was gone. And then after the service, the phone rang and it was my mother. And she said, Catherine, Catherine, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. And just hearing her voice and, and knowing how she knows me I took comfort in her presence 
and knowing that it was going to be okay. Hearing Jesus call her by name, it brought her out of the depths of her heartache and grief. It brought her out of darkness and back into life. It reminded her of, of how much Jesus knows her and loves her and that she is still one of his own. It's the image of Jesus as the good shepherd that we get in other places in, in the Gospel of John, chapter 10 specifically. The image of a shepherd who knows the sheep. It says, the sheep hear his voice and he calls by name those who belong to him. When he called Mary by name, she was reminded that she belonged to him. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. We are known by Jesus and we are loved by Jesus. So the story in the Gospel of John continues. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned to him in, in, in Aramaic and said, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, don't hold on to me. For I haven't gone up to my father. Go to my brothers and sisters and tell them, I am going to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene left and, and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And then she told them what he had said to her. The sound of his voice calling her by name and she recognized him. All of a sudden, she was freed from this despair and grief and fear. She had been resurrected from the dead, and that changed everything. He had been resurrected from the dead, and that changed everything. He told her that she was going to go be, he was going to go be with the Father, and from that moment on, she experienced resurrection. God had conquered even death, and the resurrected Christ would be with her always. You know, as Christians and as followers of Christ, we too are challenged to look past the pain of our memories and move toward hope found in the resurrection. We are challenged to remember what we tend to forget, that the resurrection matters, that we follow a risen Christ even death cannot overcome the future that God has for your life. We follow a God who, who through death can open the doorway to life. We follow a God who can take our trauma and transform it into testimony. We follow the one who can turn the pain of our past, even the reality of the present, into a future with hope. The risen Christ offers a way of hope to help you remember what you may tend to forget and to forget those things that you would like to not remember. God brings life out of death and joy out of sorrow and hope out of despair and once we embrace the resurrected Christ, then we too can go 
and say to everyone, to our friends, to our family, to our neighbors, to our, to our co-workers, we can go and say, I too have seen the risen Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Well, God, we often remember what we should forget. And we forget what we should remember. Burdened by our despair and trauma and fear, we fail to hear your voice. Forgive us, we pray. Free us from our burdens. And when you call us by name, give us the courage and the wisdom to respond. Open us to live as resurrection people and to go out and to tell all, to testify to the hope found only through the risen Christ. Amen.